0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX.
2: <laughs> Welcome, folks. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly. You can give a call, 314 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with any questions, comments, or opinions you may have. Every Saturday morning we get to, we have been getting together and we will get together as long as KMOX wants me to. <sighs> I'm always on the cusp. I never know if they're going to push me off the edge. We can discuss your yard, your landscape, your garden, house plants, potting mixes, soil improvement, Pruning, bugs, diseases, or whatever is going on in the outdoors or inside with your houseplants. Please remember my words are to open opportunities. Afterwards, it's going to take effort on your part in this great marathon called Gardening or Growing Plant Material. It's never sprints. Forget the sprints. Throw sprints out of your attitude when it comes to plant material. This is your show, and I appreciate you being there. So thanks to Matt. He's producing again today. This might be four or five weeks in a row He's not sick of gardening yet. And, Matt, you just finished, you graduated college? (laughs) Well, congratulations. So he's going to be who knows what after producing here. He may move through the whole system and become president of who knows what. Anyway, Mike Miller, that's me, host of the Garden Hotline since 1994. Five gardening books I've written to are available at various locations. And during the week, I do landscape consulting. If you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, ww.mikemillerdesigns.com. The homepage is where my email address and phone number is. And that's we can reach me and we'll kind of get everything set up. And today I'm headed out to Wentzville off Highway Z, which is the first exit as you split off from 4064, all that other stuff. But anyway, today, good gardening stroll. Brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. I decided since it is Memorial Day weekend and uh, we have the Soldiers Memorial right across the street from where KMOS is located, I thought I would take my good gardening stroll around the Soldiers Memorial Military Museum. It occupies a full block. Wow. It's under renovation right now and new management it's being managed by the Missouri History Museum. And on the north side, it faces a park. When you look through the park, you're going to see the main branch of the public library, St. Louis City Public Library. And there's iconic huge statues on the north side, too, winged horses, a warrior, a mother with a baby, some eagles. And uh, they're staring, these eagles are staring across this way where a partially built, I guess, forms for future steps. Because the old ones were removed. There's all kinds of piles of debris. There's all kinds of stacks of cut stone stairs. I think most of them are granite. On the west side of uh, the Soldiers Memorial, another city block park fills that area. All kinds of oak trees and the lawns have been mowed very, very nicely. And um, on, the, on this west side, too, though, they're tunneling underneath the building. I don't know what they're going to do. Are they building a basement? I can't tell. So, anyway... <clears throat> because there's a huge fence, they say, if you go across this fence, there are on-site cameras and the police will immediately come and get you. So I said, okay, I won't do that. There's piles of all sorts of other things, too. There's rebar waits to be used. Stormwater intakes. said, we're ready as soon as the storms come. Many of the statues mimicked on the north side of the building or on the south side, the same ones were on the north side. There's an original flagpole that sits at the elevation it always was. A sign on the cyclone fence that surrounds this area reads Soldiers Memorial Military Museum and Court of Honor Projected Reopening 2018 with a graphic illustration of what how things will look. It really looks like it's going to be great. Some of the trees around the Soldiers Memorial, have been preserved. They've got fencing surrounding them to keep the equipment and stuff like that from damaging them. And nearby, there's probably like a 30-plus-inch trunk of a tree laying on its side, It's been cut up and probably, I don't know, become firewood or something? Who knows? Across Market Street, the Judicial Courts of Missouri stands. And uh, on the east side, where Chestnut and 13th Street intersect, I don't know how that's going to work. I think that it's going to just... You know, chestnut's going to stop right there and jump across and start on the other side of this brand new space. There's trees everywhere, and it's a really a calm contrast. To all these parks that surround this Soldiers Memorial to the organized chaos and massive renovation that's going on. I truly cannot wait to see the future. What will bring? What it'll bring to this historic building and surroundings. So, that was the good gardening stroll today. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
1: Come back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX.
2: Yes, folks, we'll be taking a call in just a second. One thing, you know, I never listened to that guy, Mike Miller, on the Garden Hotline. So the other day, I just, by a whim, I have a type of hookra coral bells called a Palace Purple and it's under my mugo pine and it was being blocked by a mugo pine branch so i decided to just pop it up out of the ground and transplant it so i did that and uh, guess what it doesn't look so good <laughs> i should have listened to that guy on the garden hotline anyway let's go to overland and talk with mary mary how are you today
0: i'm fine and you mike very good uh, Mike, the reason I'm calling is um, I had talked to you maybe last fall because we were having terrible problems getting grass to grow on the slope of our backyard, Mm -hmm. and the dog running around didn't help either. So you told me different things to do, and you said one of them was to have the whole thing resodded. And that's what we did this spring, like in March. and It was perfect timing. It looked great. My problem is now that same slope Is uh, not the grass isn't doing well because there's so many trees that are. Is there anything I can do other than cutting down the tree uh, to help that grass?
2: No, because even cutting down the tree, it will take multiple years before the root system of the tree dies because it's not the shade factor that's an important aspect, but more so it's the feeder roots of the tree that's impacting your lawn areas. Oh,
0: that's. Okay,
2: what can I do? Uh, Just don't look at it. (laughs) Other than don't look at it, what can I do? Basically, I mean... The only other option is to, you know, one would be to buy a 50-pound bag of grass seed, just go out there and throw it out every few days and whatever germinates, it'll live for a little while and then die off anyway. Or, you know, convert the whole thing to a standard type ground cover. But there is nothing that you can do, you know, to battle these trees. I mean, that's just, you know, we love the trees. We like the shade, but, you know, lawn and trees just don't go together. You just don't see lawn growing in the woods. Thank
0: you. You know you're so right, and my husband will be eternally grateful for you <laughs> saying that. <laughs> have a great
2: day. Great, thanks. <laughs> and now let's jump from Overland out to Wentzville, where I'm actually headed for my appointment after the show and talk with Travis. Travis, how are you?
3: Hey, how are you doing? Today? Very good. Good. Hey, I just uh, I got two quick questions for you. I have a arborvitae tree mm-hmm. that I planted about uh, five years ago, and I put them. Uh, to hide like an electrical box, and so i I have a group of four of them, one of them on the end, uh, at the top it's browning up um, yeah, so i I don't know if uh if I should go ahead and trim that back before it spreads because I've seen some of these Arborvides, they'll they'll go brown all the way down to the bottom right um, and uh and then my second question is is I have a um a uh, hydrangea on the side of my house um and I planted it, I got it from Priscilla's nursery I planted it about three years ago, and every year. You know, it dies back down to the ground, sure. um, and it leaps out every year, but I never get any blooms. And it's on the side, so it gets, you know, um, it gets afternoon shade, basically. So I'm thinking I might not, I don't know if I'm if it's getting enough sun. I don't know. I'll I'll, I'll listen to you and, and your expertise.
2: Okay. Well, one thing with the arborvitae, you know, if the top is browning out, generally that means there's a problem with the root system more so than just, you know, if you cut it off, it's not necessarily disease that's causing it. So when you see an arborvitae go let's say brown starting at the top or the bottom or starting from the side or anything else it's usually related to the fact that the root system's not uptaking enough you know nutrients moisture so the needles even though they're not technically needles on arborvitae it you know is not making food and that's why some of these areas are turning brown either that or it's been some kind of physical damage from kind of some kind of storm or something kind of bent or cracked or you know the top of it so yeah if you can get to it go ahead and cut it off but don't you know? Okay. Don't expect a whole lot of change from the thing. It may stop the browning. It may be a physical thing, and you're just getting rid of the aesthetic problems. So with gotcha. the with a you know with a hydrangea, it depends upon you know what variety Are you pruning it at all?
3: No, not at all. So, um, normally, it's got the stalks that you know they, they'll survive through the. They're not surviving, but um, I don't trim those off. They're still there after the you know the winter and the spring. The, the stalks are still there, and okay. then the leaves come back up. Yeah, so, um, so it, it dies uh, back down to the ground. Yeah. yeah, the
2: leaves are coming from the ground, so you can cut out anything that doesn't have any leaves on it. You can cut that out because that's never okay. going to do anything for you. But yeah, you might yeah. you know try to translocate it and give it a because some of the varieties prefer more sun than other ones. So it's, I believe
3: it's a, a midnight. Um, I want to say it had the blue. Um, I don't know. I I remember midnight. Okay. uh, You know, variety, I guess.
2: Right. So if it may be, you know, like the word is, you know, hydrangeas in general don't like the alkalinity of being too close to a foundation because the leaching of the alkalinity from the concrete could be impacting it. But if the leaves look healthy, if the leaves are full size, then it's just a question of, you know, variety as as much as anything else. Oh, really? Okay. I mean, it, you could try moving it to a new location. I certainly wouldn't do it this time of year, but uh, yeah. I would wait until fall, until the, you know other things start going dormant, and move it at that time.
3: Okay. Yep, we'll give it one more year to see if it does anything. But uh, but yeah, every year it just it stays the same size. It just dies back down and wow back out the next spring and, and that's it.
2: Yeah, so. and maybe go get you know, go to your favorite garden center and get some fertilizer for acid loving plants and try fertilizing it and see if you can pep you know, give it a little boost.
3: Okay, cool. Well, I appreciate it, Mike.
2: Yep, good luck with that. And yeah, it's right. I mean there's so many mysteries out there and certain varieties of you know, hyd- you know, hydrangeas have been we must love them. It must be a genetic, you know, thing with us because there are so many out there, and some of them, even though technically they're hardy for this region, hardy doesn't mean necessarily anything more than surviving. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be they're going to be able to flower or anything else. And it certainly could be location, but uh, who knows? Mike lives in St. Louis. Hi, Mike. Hi. How are you doing? Very good.
1: So I've heard uh, you probably discussed this probably on multiple occasions, uh, but I'm curious about bamboo. Don't throw spears at me yet. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, trying to think, you know, I've heard different things about, you know, it's very evasive, which I understand it is. But, you know, if it's like in a, uh, like in a walled off section, you know, with, uh, you know, the blocks, you know, uh, landscaping blocks, it, how deep will the roots go to kind of find some new places to come up? Well, how long does that usually take?
2: Uh, depends. You know, are you t- are you talking about something that hasn't been planted yet? Correct. Okay. Let me tell you a quick story. Botanical garden, when I was working there, Japanese festival coming, I dug up th- uh, a couple pieces of the bamboo root because if this was golden groove bamboo. This is the one that's extremely invasive. I took it to my parents' house in Ellisville and planted it in the far backyard and for the first couple years, there wasn't too much going on. But after about two or three years, then sprigs started coming up everywhere. It was sending runners all over the place. Now, I know your situation is a little bit different, but you have to just be careful with this stuff. If we're talking – there are various types of bamboos. If we're talking about the golden groove bamboo, which is very, very invasive – it can actually push in between, you know, these lands, you know, these blocks that you have there. It can hit you know, hit the blocks and go down and come up come up underneath. I don't know how big the retaining wall is, how high it is, or anything else. But just you have to be really very cautious with using it or else just don't care and it's gonna you know, potentially run all over the place.
1: All right. So the golden groove, is that groove? Is it groove or groove? Groove. Groove, okay. Yeah. So is that like if you go to a garden center or something like that, is that what they're carrying, or is you have to just stay away from that particular one? Well, or
2: Well, I mean, it depends upon the—some garden centers will carry clump varieties of bamboo. So, in other words, mm-hmm. they just—they get bigger, but the, they don't send runners underneath the ground. Like at my parents' house, they were getting sprigs of bamboo coming up 8 to 10 feet away from the original, you know, the planting area, where the canes were from, you know, the previous couple years of growth. So mm-hmm. it comes up all over the place. So, So, go ahead. Oh, just make sure that if if you don't mind the invasiveness, just understand it's going to happen. But once it starts happening, to get rid of it is very, very difficult, you know, other than, like, using an herbicide on it.
1: Right. But are they all that way, or just Golden Grove is the worst?
2: Golden Grove is biggest. It's going to get, like, 8 to 10 feet high, you know, Mm -hmm. plus, you know, sometimes to the height of the lowest line on power lines, that kind of stuff. And that's the worst one. There's, there's shorter ones that kind of grow like a ground cover that are invasive that way, too. But there are clump varieties. So wherever you see it, I would ask them what variety this is and is this an invasive variety?
1: Okay. Okay. Well, great. Thanks.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, it could cause you great ha- – yeah, I mean, it could just cause you grief. But if, like I say, if you don't care, my parents had a huge backyard. I didn't think it would matter. My father hated it. But my mother loved it because the birds just, I mean, they were thrilled with it. So right. anyway, good luck. All right, thank you. Yeah. thanks. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back
1: to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX.
2: Yes, folks, back to the phones we go. And if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Matt will answer your call, and all you need to do is give him your name and where you're calling from, and uh, that's pretty much it. Let's go to Jerry's yard, and Jerry lives in Florissant. Hi, Jerry.
1: Hey, Mike. Uh, i got a couple of questions. Uh, The irises and the daffodils, the flowers are gone. Can I replant the bulbs right now? Uh, in a different area?
2: So the foliage is brown?
1: I'm half and half.
2: Okay. The bulbs you could probably dig up. So the daffodils, yes. The iris, no. Wait until August. Wait until later in the season you know, to do the iris. Okay. And if you have any fans, you know, in other words, blades of iris that didn't flower, then you could just discard those.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, can I still take out about 25% of my burning bush? Or is uh, it too late?
2: It's getting pretty late. Because the intensity of the sun, all that new growth that came out is, you know, it sort of like became mature, got used to the intense sun, and it sort of shadowed the leaves that were lower down on the stems. You cut off all that end stuff, even though it's new growth, and the, what would be exposed now are leaves, you know, historically, they've been in the full sun. It, you may get some sunburn on them.
1: Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yep.
2: All right. And now let's go to Nancy in Manchester. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Mike. I
0: have a uh, question about a couple of buckthorn I have. They're about nine foot tall, and I just noticed that I've got some little white, really sticky blobs on them. Can you tell me what it is and how I can take care of it?
2: Uh, It's a little tough to tell, but if it's sticky, then it's some kind of insect that's actually feeding. So in other words, what it is, is it could be an aphid, it could be scale, it could be a couple different things. My guess is it might be scale. But it's still going to make it sticky, so you can get, uh, if it is scale, you know, take you know, a little sample to your favorite garden center and find out exactly what it is, because if it's aphids, you can basically just use, they're usually not white, but they're all kinds of different colors, like pale green and things like that. But uh, if it's scale, then you're going to have to get a lightweight summer horticultural oil and spray it on it. And that will suffocate the scale. If it's aphids, then just get it like an insecticidal soap and then spray it on it. But fine, oh, okay. It sounds more like would scale. I be able to
4: tell which one it would be.
2: Yeah, it's probably, my guess, is more like scale than it is aphids. Okay. Okay, thanks a whole lot for your help. Yep. And you make sure you don't get the dormant oil. You want to get the Summerway weight sure-fine horticultural oil to do the spraying. And for anybody, if you're doing any kind of application of anything— Read the label, read the label, read the label. Look out for those precautionary things about spraying temperature-wise and all that other stuff to really take advantage of it. So let's go to St. Charles and see what's going on in Kevin's yard. Hi, Kevin.
4: Hi, Mike. Uh, I had a question for you. I'm, uh, in my backyard, I've got some drainage that, that on the really heavy rains it's coming up against the house, and so I was wanting to put in a landscape, uh, kind of a hosta bed along the back. And I'm wondering, would it be good to put plastic down before I put any dirt uh, and kind of have it angled so it's up against the, the foundation and then angle it so that so it kind of keeps the water from coming all the way to the foundation?
2: No, I would not use plastic under any circumstances in the outdoors. Okay. Just, okay. It can cause some real bacteria problems in the soil, and it can cause, even with tough plants like hosta it can be a real nightmare. Now, you could try some landscape fabric. Which you know lets air in and out and all that other stuff, but plastic stay away right. from entirely.
4: Okay, and I and I wasn't sure if I needed anything just because I'm going to put this about three the wall about three foot away from the house. Okay, and I was going to backfill that with dirt and then probably use some Missouri gravel on top of on, on top of it for drainage.
2: Yeah, you know, put the gravel on the bottom as po- as opposed to the top. Mix. Make oh, sure okay. that you get a, a good blend. Don't just get some kind of you know I don't want to say farm topsoil. But get something that's going to have some, you know, some quality to it, because you don't know if you're not getting, let's say, a topsoil or a topsoil blend from a company that sells them specifically. You may be dumping topsoil in there that could be full of who knows what kind of weeds and everything else.
4: Okay. Okay, but so go with the rock base, though, on the bottom also, just for...
2: Yeah, on the bottom, don't use pea gravel or something like that. Use like there's something called big rock. It's kind of like a Merrimack River rock. Use bigger rock on the bottom.
4: Okay, I was okay. I I not sure if it, or go with like one inch uh, dirty or something like that. Yeah, a
2: little bit bigger than that, even on the very bottom. If it's going to be three, you know, if it's you said it was going to be three feet high, uh,
4: three feet wide, and probably about. Uh, a foot and a half to two foot tall.
2: Okay, so if it's two feet tall, make the bottom where you're putting the rock in. Make it about uh, six inches or so. And then before you put the rock in, make sure you dig up that soil that you're going to lay the rock on. So in other words, don't just build the wall and then start putting stuff on top of it. You want to make sure that you... If the penet- the roots probably won't penetrate that deep, but you want to make sure the water can percolate all the way down through the rock into the existing soil. Sometimes, if we leave that compacted clay soil as it is, it becomes a real hard pan, and then it causes you know drainage problems even more.
4: Oh, okay. All right. Very good. I yeah, I was just uh, I was gonna till up where I was gonna put the uh, the retaining wall, so I can fill that whole area up and have that fresh, right. So. Okay.
2: Exactly. Perfect. Okay great thank you very much yep good luck and uh don't get too hot if you're gonna (laughs) do it this weekend it's pretty steamy now let's go from st charles out or back up to Florissant. hi carol how are you
5: oh fine thank you I have a question. I have my front yard, I have a lot of shade. The trees have gotten bigger, so I don't have as much sun as I used to right. for my flower beds. And under this one tree, I'd like to put some shady flowers, and I, I was really thinking about hostas. But something else I wanted to find out, how much dirt or how close should you put the dirt to the tree? Because I was thinking about doing a like a layered... uh bed around there low and then a little high, how high up on the trunk can you go for putting the dirt?
2: You shouldn't really pile dirt on any kind of tree trunk trunk at all. So in other words, okay. if you want to have a raised bed, make it kind of like a bagel. So right where the trunk bark is, don't pile stuff up on it. Now you can put a little bit of mulch there so cosmetically it can blend in with the, the rest of the bed. But leave a few inches away from the trunk because we're finding that there's lots of problems when we start piling stuff up on trunks. It could lead to, you know, bark rot and things along that line. Now, that's not going to happen immediately, but it could just lead to a slow decline of your tree just in general.
5: Okay, so instead of, instead of like, you think, put the, the mulch or whatever, if I put, like, say, a layer of rocks around the around the side of the tree and then put the dirt in front of those rocks? Right that would be okay.
2: Right. So just, you know, leave a few inches all the way around the tree trunk so you don't pile up stuff on the trunk, except, like I said, a thin layer of mulch. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Yep. And now let's go from Florissant out to Wentzville and see what's going on with Barb. Barb, how are you today?
6: Just real good so far. Uh, I wanted a question about uh, pine in a pine tree that it's got white on it. It seems to be decaying so, some. Uh, lost one limb already. Do you have any idea what this is, or do I need to have an arborist out?
2: Well, are you just talking about on the bark, or are you talking about on the needles? On the bark. So the white on the, on the bark, on. you know, that may be just a lichen. That might not be anything that's problematic.
6: Well, I lost one limb already turned brown. Yeah, but... The, and, uh, oh, go ahead. Is that okay on it? I mean, it looks like it's decayed and starting to decay in places on the, uh, the base of the tree. It's probably six inches in diameter.
2: Yeah, something this like is that okay. is more problematic than white stuff on the branches. So you probably, if this tree is serious. Now, losing individual branches, if this is a lower branch and the branches that are higher up in the tree are longer than the one that died off, that's just a, sort of a natural process that all trees do. So, in other words, if it's think- not getting a whole lot of sun because the branches above it are shadowing it, then, consequently, the lower branch is going to be compartmentalized and could be killed off by the tree itself.
6: But no, this isn't that thick. Uh- And the limb that I lost has got a lot of exposure. I had already turned brown and coming down. This is probably a ten-year-old pine, at least, Uh, maybe eight feet tall.
2: Okay, so I don't want to lose it. Right. So I would have somebody come out and take a look at it. Pines have, you know, there's a disease that impact pines, all kinds of pines: Scotch, white, you know, Austrian. Mm -hmm. It's called anthracnose. And so it could be, you know, something like that. Usually if it's anthracnose, so it's going to kill your tree off pretty darn quickly, like within three uh-huh. or four months. But, I, you uh-huh. know, have some. if this tree is important, you have somebody come out and take a look at it.
6: Okay. I didn't know if there was anything that could be sprayed on
2: them. Without knowing, you know, just that white stuff right. is probably not the problem. Uh, to okay. me, it sounds like it's more related to the root system. If the tree fully exposed to sunlight and everything else, and there's mm-hmm. no larger trees close by that would be competing with it for nutrients or moisture or that kind of stuff. Okay. Thanks very much, yep. Mike. Good luck with that. And, yeah, it's unfortunate but, uh, yeah, have somebody come out and take a look. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
1: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service
7: on KMOX.
2: Yes, folks, we're headed to South County. That's where Norman lives. Norman, how are you?
7: Hi. Um, I have a 35-foot-high spruce tree, which is about 25 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year I had some people come over and cut off the bottom of the limbs uh, because it was getting too low. But they didn't close up the holes that, they, uh, uh, that the, that the uh, limbs came off of. I've got a tremendous amount of white stuff coming down the trunk. It's just ugly as sin. And it's all white, and I'm thinking it's sap. And furthermore, it looks like the inside of the tree Looks like it's going to be dying. I just wonder if that tree is susceptible to disease, or is it because they didn't close up those limb cuts?
2: They're basically, there is the the rule of thumb anymore is to make a good, clean cut. They should have left a stub of about a quarter to a half inch. You know, wherever it was attached to the trunk, that's all you do. Longer branches you cut off in sections. But the, you know, the oozing of the sap and stuff like that, that's exactly what you're probably experiencing. That's what happens. There's no way to close up those holes. That days of old with the pruning sealers and all that stuff, way back when, when it had lead in it, it did help a little bit bacteria-wise, but your trees should be fine
7: way to get that white stuff off of the trunk.
2: (laughs) No. No.
7: (laughs) All right. I appreciate it. Yeah.
2: I mean, it's sticky, so you can throw some dirt on it. It'll turn it brown, but no, there's nothing you can do.
7: I'll be Darth. Thanks, Mike, very (laughs) much.
2: And now let's go to Don, and Don is in Florissant. Don, how are you today?
5: Good, Mike. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I'm calling to see whether or not if peat moss can be Add it to your soil to richen it somewhat. I have a small flower bed, not too big, and I was given some peat moss. And instead of destroying it, I thought maybe I could enrich it like you do compost.
2: Okay. You
5: and can... also oh. my next question is is isn't there a place that you had mentioned once before throughout the season in your show that you uh tell some of your listeners that uh, where they can buy knockout roses at a very reasonable price uh, if so I would like to know you know I'm interested in some small knockout roses about as high as you need
2: yeah uh, without the with the knockout roses you know there's lo- lots of places carry them because they are so very very popular now they're going to get big. You might buy them initially small. I don't know if they're going to be that small, but maybe you could find some. You know, probably, you know, two feet high or, you know, 18 inches or so. But uh, you just... I mean, they're all over the place. So I have, I can't remember mentioning one specific place. Now, I did last year when I broadcast from the Stark Brothers up in Louisiana, Missouri. I bought some knockout roses, and those are the ones I'm, you know, I have in pots myself. But uh, you know, other than that, now your other question was: Now, are we talking about the brown peat moss that's really yes, light and airy? You can yes. you can certainly add that to your soil, but I wouldn't just add that by itself because it's you know it's oh. not all that it's a good a soil amendment, but it's mainly or be, it works better to change the soil pH. so in other words, make it a little oh. bit more acidic. In and of yes. itself, it's not really it doesn't help with the drainage it doesn't help with a lot of other stuff. You can mix it in with other things like compost or you know something along that line. but just putting you know peat moss in our existing clay soils is not really all that helpful.
5: I see. Okay. I thought maybe it was just as good as compost. I see. But it's it's not,
2: not quite the same. It's just, yeah. okay. you know.
5: Oh, all right, Dan. You sure think, uh, thank you for taking my call. Sure. And, uh, enjoy the show.
2: Well, you know, I greatly appreciate it. And also for everybody, I mean, I'm going to people's houses. I'm going to mention again, getting a soil test done is really crucial as far as finding out what the next step is as far as fertilizing or anything else. Because if you've been doing the same type of fertilizer for a long period of time, in the last two numbers, phosphorus and potassium, we're finding with soil testing, we're seeing extravagant levels, and that causes decline of plant material root systems, you know, dehydration and things like that. So the University of Missouri, you can go to the MU Soil and Plant Testing Lab. Just go online and find that. There is also a place over in Belleville that does soil testing too, S G-S, and that's a soil testing company. So get your soil test done and find out what's going on. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will be back after the news. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.